Hello, you're listening to Heroes and Headwinds. It's a podcast brought to you by The Culinary Edge. I'm Graham Humphreys, CEO at The Culinary Edge, and I lead a team of food and beverage innovators who, maybe like you, solve today's problems and create tomorrow's opportunities for food and beverage. This podcast brings you into the conversations that we have with our heroes in the industry, discussing how to brave the headwinds of an ever-changing and challenging F&B landscape. Along the way, we hope you'll get to know our guests as we have as friends, collaborators, and inspirations for a brighter future. Today, we're sharing an interview with Jeff Alexander, president and CEO of WowBow and a longtime leader in food and beverage innovation. From digital ordering to dark kitchens to a staffless front of house, listening to Jeff, you might be forgiven for thinking that the success of these innovations and of Wow Bao was inevitable. But in this interview, given by TCE Sam Aronson, we take a look under the hood. Here it is. Well, Jeff, thanks for being here. We're so excited to learn more about you specifically and also hear more about what's going on with WowBow these days. We'll start with you know a little bit about you, hopefully give you a couple softballs to warm up here. Uh, we'd like to go all the way back to you know your early days in the food and beverage industry. Nine days after graduating from undergrad, you joined Let Us Entertain You. What originally drew you to a career in food and beverage? Uh, I grew up on the Upper West Side of New York City, born and raised, and we had a summer house uh, on a place called Fire Island, which is a, a beachfront community off the coast of Long Island. And from the age of 13 through my sophomore year, freshman year of college, uh, every summer I worked in a grocery store. And I started as a delivery boy, got involved as a, a bagger and a stock boy, ran the dairy area, and then eventually worked in the, the meat room in the back. And what happened was I was dating a girl a year older than me who was from Cleveland, Ohio, which I did not want to move to after graduation, and she didn't want to go to New York. So upon her graduation, she went to Chicago to keep us somewhat close together. And every time I'd visit her, uh, we'd go out to dinner. And after the fourth or fifth meal, we realized every restaurant was a lettuce entertaining restaurant. So I was already doing food and beverage up in college, really enjoyed it. And as you know, probably every restaurateur is listening to this, our college major did not equal what we ended up going into. Mine was art history. So my restaurants all look really good. Uh, I applied to work with lettuce and got hired and uh, started working with them nine days after graduation. That's a, that's a really fun story. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, when you first entered the world of lettuce, what were you doing? And, you know, how did that eventually lead you down a path to end up at WowBow? So I worked with lettuce. So uh, I joined lettuce in 1993. Uh, started working at Shaw's Crab House, which is a very large seafood restaurant uh, in Chicago. It's actually two restaurants in one. Worked there for two years. Wanted to grow. And the only opportunity there was to grow was to go work at this restaurant called Big Bowl. At the time, there was one location. It was 1,800 square feet. Uh, basically, one week of sales was still less than one day at Shaw's. Uh, but I wanted to grow and I needed an opportunity for growth. So I gave up Shaw's Crab House to go uh, work there. Worked with Big Bowl then over the next, I guess it was five or six years, we grew Big Bowl from one unit to about 11. Uh, I, during that time, grew within the company to become an area director. Basically, all general managers reported to me and I reported to the partners and was got involved with construction, got involved with design, got involved with menu development, uh, really learned a lot about the business and got great exposure to quite a few things. 
From there, I started working on other concepts within lettuce. We had uh, partnered with John George Vonga Richten for a restaurant called Vong. There were five in the USA. We had one in Chicago that we managed for him. My job was to go in there, actually close it and rebuild and reconcept into Vong's Thai Kitchen, which was a more cost affordable uh, version of the restaurant. From there, I went to Tucci Bunich, which was a 20-year-old Italian restaurant, again, to close it and reconcept it, build it from scratch, built into Frankie's Scallopini and Frankie's Fifth Floor Pizza. And, you know, we had this concept, Wildbow, that started in 2003, that it was interesting. In 2003, I was in charge of finding the music and finding the tables. That was all the interaction I had with Wildbow. And one of the partners I had worked with for years and years was involved with Wildbow and said, you know, we're in between operating partners right now. We're going to grow this thing. You should come on board and take this. So I went to Kevin Brown, our CEO, and Rich Melman, our founder, and said, I'd like to get involved with Wildbow. God bless Rich's heart. He told me he didn't think it was a good idea. And, you know, if I learn anything, if the CEO, founder of your chairman of the board, founder of your company tells you not to do something, Chances are they have other plans for you, and maybe I should have listened to them, and things might be different. But uh, I stuck with Wildbow, got involved, and that was 2009. Well, it seems like it's worked out pretty well for you. Um, you know, over the last 13 years now, you've been innovating, growing Wildbow in all sorts of ways. There might be a future for you in the restaurant industry. <laughs> you think? You think I'm earning my keep here to stay around? I think you might have a few have a future <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So that scares me because I'm, get, I'm getting really old. And to think that I will have a future at my age, like when do I get to enjoy life? <laughs> okay, you're asking me a question, Sam. Keep us on track. Let's go. <laughs> no, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, so yeah, let's talk about Wowbow here for a minute. Over the last 13 years now, you've been growing, you've been innovating at Wowbow. This is a little bit of a tough question, but just, you know, think about what, what's coming to mind when we ask what three words best sum up how you feel about the Wow Wow brand. Yeah, I think that there, you know, I, it's a great question. And uh, the three words that come to mind the most when I think about Wow Wow, the first is inspiration or inspire. And that's on so many different levels. I think we've inspired the rest of the industry. I think we've inspired ourselves for what we've accomplished. I, I get great inspiration from uh, seeing people who, you know, this was their first job when they were going through school to pay for school, to put food on their family's table, to use as a launch pad to a different career, to leave room for the next person. There's a lot of inspiration. I think our food is inspiring, both from flavor and the uniqueness of it. When you say that, it makes me think of all of the firsts that Wow Bao have brought to the industry. I'm interested in where the ideas come from, whether it's you know being the first to have kiosk ordering in-house or doing away with front of house staff, or people talk about Mr. Beast Burger being delivered off back lines, but you were there before. Where does the inspiration come from for all of these ideas? Is it Summers on Fire Island, or did you learn things that let us entertain you uh, that you've brought with you, or does it come from elsewhere? So it's a good question. Unfortunately, I'm not going to have one single answer for you. You know, my, my first response is there's a uh, Will Ferrell movie called Ricky Bobby Talladega Nights. And there's a line in the movie that says, if you're not first, you're last. And it's sort of been the motto that I've embraced for a while ago. The second thing is I don't necessarily think we're first in anything. I think we have a great way of getting the word out there about what we're doing. I think we do take risks and we do things, but I'm sure we weren't the first doing kiosk ordering. I'm sure we weren't the first you know, we turned on desktop ordering and had an iPhone app. We had an iPhone app in 2010, which 
your listeners are probably like, big deal, you an iPhone app. There were only 300,000 apps back in 2010, and we had one of them. So I think it's really about doing it and doing it right and being able to replicate it. But as, as far as where does the inspiration come from, it comes from lots of different places. You know, restaurateurs are entrepreneurs. That's what we are, right? No one gets in this business because they have to. They get into this business because they want to. And the reason why you're successful in it is because you have to, right? And to be successful, you have to find ways to constantly evolve and innovate. And that's really what we've done at WowBell over every single year is find ways to grow the brand. When we did self-ordering kiosks, I'll never forget it. It was 2008, right? And we were all voting for president. And I waited online to vote, to cast my vote outside in Chicago cold for 45 minutes. And I finally made it to the front of the line. And they said, well, it'll be another 45 minutes till it's your turn. But if you want, there's a machine over there and you can go right now. And I said, will my vote count? Of course your vote will count. Well, I went to the machine and I started pushing you know, vote for this person, that person. I let them do it. I'm like, we should be using these at WowBow. Like this is the future right here. That's what was the inspiration for the kiosks was simplicity, speed of service, right. you know, ownership, privacy, all these things that came. And when we put the first kiosk in, you know, the machine is opened up, the guts are everywhere, guys on the floor trying to screw it in. And some lady walked up and started ordering on it. And we're like, I guess we picked the right thing to turn, to invest in, right? It, it showed that people are going to go with it. That was the market test right there. Exactly. Right? But, uh, you, know, you, you, were, you were out, you know, freezing your appendages off in the Chicago winter and you were voting and you weren't, I doubt you were out there actively looking for inspiration, but right. when it was there, you were open to it. Yeah. So really, where does inspiration come from? It comes from just everyday life. Like, look. Do I read a lot of magazines? Yes. And it's funny, if you ever travel with me, I'll show up with a stack of magazines and I don't read them. I just rip out pages of things to catch my eye and keep files and files of them from lighting to design elements to technology. And, you know, you pull out those when you need inspiration. Right, we're not talking People Magazine. I, actually, yeah, sure. People Magazine, <laughs> InStyle Magazine. I mean, they're great because that's everyday life and there's things in there that will draw attention to you. A hundred percent. There's really no wrong place to grab inspiration. Look at COVID. Look what COVID, sorry, look what COVID did for our industry, right? People who never did delivery before did delivery, right? The whole virtual restaurant spectrum that came to be. I mean, so much, the technology that has been improved for our industry. And the hard part with technology is it's usually built by non-restaurant people. So we have to change our operations to fit this great technology. The technology never fits us, but still the explosion in innovation over the last two to three years has been fantastic. It sounds like you enjoy that kind of constraint. When we talk about the history of WowBow, there's a lot of success that you've experienced, and there's a lot of firsts and milestones on the way to that success uh, that we can look back on. And I'm sure it wasn't success, 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 success. I'm sure that there are... Uh, there have been moments and there have been challenges to work through. The current F&B landscape is particularly challenging. And uh, how are you managing the headwinds of 2022? You know, what we did in late 2019 is we had this idea that based on the networks that we were involved in, we could offer our product for other restaurants to sell out their back door for third-party delivery. And we built out the whole model and marketing plans and third-party relationships, distribution. 
and got up and running with one unit in January 2020, and then COVID hit. And all of a sudden, dining rooms were shut down, supply chain got stalled, and you could only do delivery, and no one had staff. And our model was so made, was so perfect for that, to help restaurants as we designed it to do, that we've been fortunate to open up, we've launched over 600 locations in those two years. And the headwinds that you speak of are still devastating to the restaurant industry as COVID has been for the last two years. It's a little different for us because we don't have leases. We don't have landlords. We don't hire people, right? These are all done by other operators. Our struggle is getting the operators to be able to turn on because they have labor shortage. Our struggle is, you know, beating up our purveyors on their pricing to hold the costs to allow the distribution channels to make their margins so that the operator can make money. So we're, we have a different side of the coin. We actually feel and see the struggles that our partners go through and try to find ways to make it successful for them to survive as opposed to us actually feeling those. Look, I do have some, excuse me, I do have some brick and mortar. So we are facing what everyone is facing, but we have longtime tenured employees. On this national scale, it's really about how do you help the operators out there who are faced with, with these strong headwinds that they're up against day in and day out? Jeff, I want to go back to something you just said a minute ago, which is, you know, it is a little bit different for WowWow, particularly because you don't have leases. So what advice would you give to, you know, everyone else who might not be exactly like you besides actually using, you know, the WowWow product, the brand in a box? What advice would you give to them for how they might approach the headwinds? Yeah, what, what I've said to people is the, the, the number one thing I think that our industry needs today is when any operator had once one restaurant back in the day, when you had one location, you worked the floor every single day. You talked to every guest, you talked to every employee, you touched every dish before it left the kitchen. And I really believe that's what we need today. You need to, you entrepreneurs need to get back to what made you successful and be on the front line with those employees to feel what they're feeling, to be tired, to really understand the customer side of dining out at high prices because commodities are high and labor is short and all these things are expensive and landlords want their money now. So we're paying high menu prices, but I don't believe the restaurants are delivering on the experience. The food might be good, but the service takes too long or the service is good, but the food didn't come out right or they're both bad. And you, operator, need to be there and be part of this and help solve it, not sitting back in your office, not leaving it to someone else. The, the employees are tired and the guest wants trust. And with what's going on in the economy today and inflation, money is going to start becoming tight and people are going to be very particular about where they're going to pay their money. And I think that it's important that, you know, operators are prepared to deliver on the experience. Listening to you, Jeff, I'm curious about your attitude to technology. On the one hand, you've been such an early adopter and the Will Ferrell, you know, you got to be first. On the other hand, you know, I listen to you describing how people cross the road these days looking at screens. And I'm listening to you emphasize the fact that it's important that we get back into the restaurants and that we engage at a personal level. And at that kind of scale, 
I'm curious about your feeling of this emerging technology. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it both? I think I think it's both. I think it comes down to who's using it and how you're using it, right? So when you talk about this technology, I said it earlier that the, the problem with the technology for the restaurant space is it's not being developed by restaurateurs. And that is difficult. Also, restaurant people are sort of dinosaurs. You know, it's very expensive to rip out your entire POS system to put in the most up-to-date something. It's very expensive if you have five locations to sign up for a certain service because you get charged by location. The economics of the technology and the actual technology doesn't always translate to everybody. We've been such a proponent for technology, and I am a proponent for technology. But here's the deal. If you're going to get involved with technology, you have to be willing to have headaches. If you're not willing to have headaches, you should not deal with technology. You have to go in there knowing it's going to break. You have to go in there knowing it's going to be difficult to deliver on the promise. And you have to be willing to deal with the outcome, the consumer and how they got affected and following up with that person about what it is. When we, get, when we become an early adopter of things, the deal is I'll adopt you into my environment, but you're going to listen to the feedback I'm going to give you. Right. And that's how we partner with people when we bring in technology. So I'm fully for the technological advances. There's not enough technology. I also think, though, that the restaurant industry is based on hospitality. And hospitality doesn't always replace, nor should it replace, hospitality, right? Technology serves a purpose, hospitality serves an emotion. And you can't lose the emotion. And that's what we're all built on. That's connection. That's what the human environment is. It's a very human-centric approach to technology. Mm -hmm. I call it uh, hospitality. I tried to coin the phrase and nobody agreed with me, but I sort of like it. Technology for hospitality. It's got to, they got to go both ways. I love that. We're going to start using that over here. I got to trademark it right away. What advice would you have for those people trying to navigate a career in food and beverage? If you want to get involved in food and beverage, my first piece of advice is don't get involved in food and beverage. <laughs> um, look, you, you, you can't want to get involved in food and beverage. People who work in food and beverage don't get involved because they want to do it. It's passion. You know, you do it because it's your calling and you get bit by the bug, you know, and it's hard. The restaurant industry, food and beverage is hard. It's seven days a week, 365 days a year. And you spend your entire day trying to please people. It is very, very hard. And you can't, that's not a job. Very, very frank with you. It's not a job. If it's a job, you're not going to make the people happy. You're not going to last long in it. It's got to be really in your blood. And you have to be really passionate about hospitality and giving to people. I mean, it's, it's a long road. So, my, you know, my daughter, who's in the workforce now after graduation, you know, I begged her not to get into this industry. She did it for a time. She's bartended. She worked a while, but like she's dabbled in it. And it's a great thing. I think everyone should work in the industry at some point to understand that side of it. And it's a great fallback for her, but I want her to be able to have work-life balance because I know she doesn't have that passion for this industry. And so when you say, what advice do I give? If you want to get in this industry, you need to be really passionate about it. You need to really want to take care of people. You need to really want to give of yourself because you're giving all of your time to that restaurant, your time to your employees, your time to make sure every dish is right. You have to care enough to go to a table and listen to what they have to say. 
Because if you go to that table and you don't care what they say to you, it's really clear. And that's the worst experience you can give to a Niner. Not the answer you were looking for. And yet, there's <laughs> more to you than food and beverage, Jeff. You are a family man. You've got kids. You're so passionate about sports. Uh, I'm wondering, is there anything that maybe few people know about you that doesn't jump off the brochure when it's the interview with Jeff? When people look at me on LinkedIn or you know, the thing that throws them off the most is it says that I'm a spin instructor. And I've been teaching uh, indoor cycling for about seven or eight years now. Uh, I sort of got into it by accident. We were, I was taking a spin class and the instructor didn't show up. And we're all sort of sitting there, we're just pedaling, no one knew what to do. And I was like, how hard could it be? <laughs> it is hard, I'll tell you, it is hard. Making that playlist and what you're gonna say. But basically, it's, it, it's a great way to thrive on motivation. Right when you go to that class and you get people motivated to, and give them energy and give them enthusiasm and see the response to it, it's such a different response than when I'm in my office with my team and trying to motivate them. You know, there you're like motivating them to go back to their desk and put their head down and do work. Right there, you're trying to motivate them to give the best service they can to the consumer at the t at the at the cash register, and you don't always see all that. But at the spin class. I can immediately see if they are buying in or not buying in and how they're feeling afterwards and the high fives after and the woo-woos and all that stuff. So it's, it's taught me to be a better coach for my team, just like having kids. Prior to having kids, and I have a t at the time of this, I have a 12-year-old and a 23-year-old, you know, the way you teach and coach and have patience for people is a lot different once you have kids. And the patience in how to communicate to your children every year as they get older changes the way you communicate to others because you have to constantly get through to these people who don't want to listen to you that it's bedtime, right? <laughs> or get off, that, get off your phone or go to your homework. You have to find a way to communicate. And that element of learning, if you bring that, that vulnerability and that lesson learned into your work environment, it changes the dynamic of the of the of the company and the community for a better for the better always. <laughs> uh, one thing that people may not know about us is that um, when the TCE team are on the road, we're always looking for the six a.m. spin class before we go out and hit the restaurants as well. It's um, favorite part of the day. I'm curious if you had an autobiography, what might it be called? Well, <laughs> what comes to mind is, quote, I'm not done yet, because don't you write an autobiography like when you're all done with that? Like, I'm not done yet. I'm not ready to give it all to you, I guess. Yeah, I think we established you have a future, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. I have a future. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think I'm not done yet. I think I would definitely buy that, you know, at the bookshelf, at the bookshelf stand at the airport. I'm not yeah, I mean, yet. again, my mantra is if you're not first, you're last. So I don't know any of those things, I guess. Uh, they're tripping off the tongue now. I think you've got a three-book deal yes. if any publishers are listening. <laughs> I like that. I appreciate that. So I'm guessing as a spin instructor, you have pretty good taste in music at this point. So if you had a theme song, what would it be? If I had a theme song? Um... I had to do a walkout song for a, a keynote that I did recently. And uh, 
I put on Snoop Dogg's Ain't Nothing But a G Thing. Because <laughs> for those of you, because uh, we're not, you know, they're on a podcast, I spelled Jeff with a G. So it sort of was pretty good to have a Ain't Nothing But a G Thing. <laughs> well, I think that's the title of the autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, serial entrepreneur, inspirer, passion player, CEO with a future who isn't done yet. (laughs) I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Thank you for taking a minute to join us. This has been incredibly fun and inspiring for us and I'm sure for everybody listening. Thank you. I really appreciated my time with you both. So thank you for giving me the, the platform to speak with you. Awesome. Cheers, Jeff. Thanks for tuning in to Heroes and Headwinds, a podcast brought to you by the team at the Culinary Edge, produced by Evan Sornstein and Mackenzie Phelan. Watch your feed for the new episodes to discover which industry leader we're chatting up next.